There's a famous story about a young man who went to confession right before Pascha. Confession is an important part of our tradition, and Orthodox Christians try to at least get the confession during the fasting periods of the church. So this young man was doing his religious duty, what was expected of him. The priest and the young man stood before the icon of Christ, and after the introductory prayers, the young man began to list his sins. All was well until he started to brag. Father, he said, I have to confess that I followed the Lenten fast perfectly. I haven't eaten any meat, I haven't drank any wine, I've been skipping my normal egg breakfast, and I've learned to cook without oil. As the young man continued, it became clear to the priest that this young man felt he was deserving of some sort of works righteousness. If this confession had been a Facebook post, it would have been hashtag blessed. However, God's grace and mercy doesn't come to us by any efforts of our own. And being religious is not about putting yourself up on a pillar. The priest decided to correct this young man and show him that boasting in the fast was actually a sin of pride. So, after confession was over, the priest took the young man to McDonald's and forced him to eat a Big Mac, meat and all. What the young man learned that day was that what God requires of us is to love others, especially the least of these. And performing religious acts just to feel good isn't being loyal to the Bible. The bottom line, once we've cultivated a watchfulness of Scripture and willingly put ourselves under its authority, we find that it tells us to love our neighbor, especially the least of these. You're listening to The Way with Father Dustin Lyon, a podcast of the Ephesus School Network. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Father Dustin Lyon. As you know, we've been looking at what it means to be a Christian leader, a servant leader, or in Greek, a doulos leader, doulos being the Greek word for servant or slave. We're now on step four of our journey, and I hope you can see how it's all fitting together, how it all flows, how one step builds to the next one. You'll recall that the first step was to become biblically literate. In other words, we have to learn our Bible. If you're not someone who regularly reads the Bible, I want to encourage you, now's the time to start. Now is better than never. Start reading the Bible. Read what interests you, what you like, and you'll build biblical literacy in the process. Once you've done that, the next step is to cultivate a watchfulness. Cultivate a watchfulness of what Scripture is asking of us and how we're living our lives. This may require some soul-searching, if you will, kind of stepping back to see how we're leading our lives. Does the example of Christ that we see in Scripture match the way we're living our lives? That's the question as we cultivate watchfulness. 
And if there's a mismatch between our lives and what we're seeing in Scripture, now's the time to make a change, to make a difference. The third step of being a servant leader, once you've learned your Bible and cultivated a watchfulness, is to place yourself under the authority of Scripture. In other words, this means letting the rubber meet the road. As you've now cultivated that watchfulness of what Scripture is asking of us, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to walk the way, you now have to be obedient to that. Put yourself under the authority of Scripture, under the authority of Christ and God. And that leads us to our fourth step. Now, in step four, we're starting to look at what actions the Scripture is prompting us to do. What are we called to do? How are we called to walk the way? What does a servant leader do? What does it mean to be Christian? Most of us have preconceived ideas of what it means to be Christian, or what it means to be religious. And often, these ideas inform us how to be church. But what's interesting is, often these ideas are in contrast to what the Bible and Scripture is actually calling us to do, what it's actually calling us to be, which is why we emphasize the first three steps. If we haven't cultivated a watchfulness of Scripture, and we don't know what it's calling us to do, we often become concerned with the wrong things. We often fail to be the people it's calling us to be. In other words, we often become concerned about saying prayers, eating the right foods, dressing appropriately for church, making sure we light a candle, praying to the right saint when we want something, or making sure our theology is correct, and other such externals. And as parishes, we think that being church means putting together Greek festivals as a means of being financially secure, making sure that the yard looks nice, making sure we get exposure in the local newspaper, and having the right amount of social events to make sure that our parishioners are engaged. But none of these things is what Scripture calls us to do. None of these things is who Scripture says we should be. In other words, they are only externals. And in fact, Jesus criticizes the Pharisees precisely for doing these sorts of things. But we'll get back to that in a moment. But none of these ideas are new. And this approach to religion, well, it's as old as the Old Testament. After Israel was freed from Pharaoh in Egypt, they still didn't understand what it meant to serve God. Even when God gave them explicit directions on how to be a religious people. We know these instructions as the Torah, the law given to Moses by God on Mount Sinai, and it includes the Ten Commandments. And it's quite explicit on how people should be religious, what it means to worship God. But as we all know, the people turned away from God and worshipped the golden calf instead, and they complained in the desert about not having enough food. Well, Things didn't quite work out for them. In fact, they ended up asking for a king, and as we know, things didn't go very well for them. You see, the Israelites emphasized the wrong things. 
They thought what God wanted was animal sacrifices. They weren't satisfied with worshiping God in the tabernacle, which was just a tent. And so they built a temple. They thought being religious was saying the right prayers and being seen saying the right prayers, making sure that they were eating the right foods and keeping kosher. They thought that being religious was about the purity laws and about keeping the feasts. In other words, they were only concerned about the external rules, and they forgot about what God really wants. In other words, they hadn't cultivated a watchfulness. They weren't listening. What God wanted from them was simply for them to love their neighbor, to extend mercy to others as he had extended mercy to them. Here, let me read to you what God tells the people through his prophet Isaiah. This is Isaiah 1, verses 11 through 20. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifice, says the Lord? I've had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who asked this from your hand? Trample my courts no more. Bringing offerings is futile. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation. I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed festivals my soul hates. They become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Come now. Let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. That's a harsh judgment. God is telling the Israelites, he doesn't care about their sacrifices. He doesn't care about their prayers or their religious services. What he cares about is, are they loving the neighbor? Are they caring for the least of these? Are they advocating for those who have no voice in society? This is justice, says the Lord, and this is what he's calling us to be. This is how we walk the way. Now I'm going to read to you a little more from Isaiah. This is in chapter 58, starting halfway through verse 3. Here, God is talking about fasting. And for us as Orthodox Christians, we should pay special attention to this. After all, we just started the Advent fast. Except, instead of being legalistic about the fast, about paying attention to what we put in our mouths, God says there's something just a bit more about fasting, something we should be more concerned with. There's another way of truly fasting. Here's what God says through Isaiah. Look, 
You serve your own interest on your fast day and oppress all your workers. Look, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to strike with a wicked fist. Such fasting as you do today will not make your voice heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose, a day to humble oneself? Is it not to bow down the head like a bulrush, and to lie in sackcloth and ashes? Will you call this a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose, to loose the bonds of injustice, to undo the throngs of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and to bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover them and not to hide yourself from your own kin? Then your light shall break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up quickly. Your vindication shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer and you shall cry for help and he will say, Here I am. Again, this may sound shocking to us as Orthodox Christians. After all, it seems like we've heard hundreds of sermons or Sunday school lessons talking about what we can and can't eat. And we spill a lot of ink writing about the fasts and publishing calendars that say when we can eat fish and when we can't. But Isaiah says that's not what God's concerned about. What he wants to know is, are you speaking for those who have no voice? Are you sharing your bread with the hungry? Are you looking after the poor? And are you loving your neighbors? It says here, do not hide yourself from your own kin. We all know how we try to avoid certain family members maybe because they make too many demands of us, or we just don't like them. But God says, if you're truly going to fast, it's being concerned with others and not yourself. True fasting is breaking your own ego and looking after other people. That's what God says the fast is all about. In other words, as we cultivate a watchfulness of what Scripture asks us to do, we learn that walking the way is caring for the least of these. And this readjustment, and I think it is a readjustment, because we tend to think of being religious as following the rules, but this readjustment is not just limited to the Old Testament. This is also how Jesus speaks. This is how Jesus asks us to walk the way as well. This is the sort of leadership that we see from Jesus. And if we're going to become servant leaders and imitate him, we need to listen to him. So here's Jesus in Matthew chapter 23. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup, so that the outside also may become clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside look beautiful, but inside they are full of bones of the dead and of all kinds of filth. 
so you also on the outside look righteous to others, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the graves of the righteous. And you say, if we had lived in the days of our ancestors, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you testify against yourselves that you are descendants of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your ancestors. You snakes, you brood of vipers, how can you escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you the prophets, sages, and scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, and some you will flog in your synagogues and pursue from town to town, so that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I tell you, all this will come upon this generation. Here Jesus is criticizing the Pharisees, which were a religious group in the first century. He's basically saying, you guys like to honor all the saints before you. Here he's calling them prophets, but I think we would call them saints. He's saying, you like to honor the saints, and you like to show how well you venerate the saints and give them honor. But you don't do what they did. They are prophets or saints because they fulfilled God's law. They cared for their neighbor. But you don't. Instead of caring for your neighbor, all you do is puff yourselves up by venerating these saints. And he calls them hypocrites for that. How often do we also like to venerate the saints and honor them? But then we don't do as they did. We don't follow their example. In this way, we too are just like the Pharisees. We too are hypocrites. And we failed in leadership. We can't be servant leaders if we're more concerned about puffing up ourselves instead of following the example set for us by Christ and the saints. We have to be as selfless as they are. Many of the saints are saints precisely because they were martyrs. They gave their lives up in order to serve Christ. And that's what we are called to do as well. And for us today, maybe giving up our lives means going beyond ourselves to look after our neighbor, looking after the least of these. And most especially, we need to do it without judgment. Without judgment. As we reflect upon what we've learned about servant leadership, we see that it's building up to this very moment. It's building up to call us to look after the least of these. There's no way we can be servant leaders. There's no way we can be Christians or we can be church if we let the starving family in our own community go hungry, if we ignore the single mother struggling to get by, if we turn a blind eye to someone who may not be in our own social or cultural circle. There's no way we can do that. If we turn our back on those in need, then we've ignored the Bible's command to care for the least of these, the very thing God punished Israel for not doing. And unfortunately, we have no excuse. 
Israel and the Pharisees serve as a warning for us. We've seen how God hates hypocrisy. So this fourth step in being a servant leadership is a call to action. It's a call to actually be who God asks us to be. And I pray that we heed the call. As always, I encourage you to go check out the Orthodox Christian Leadership Initiative. The steps that we're going through are steps that they have outlined, and I'll put a link to their website in the bottom. Next week, we'll look at the fifth and final step for being a servant leader. God bless you.